it has gutted me left and right, just thinking about the individuals that are so scared that they no longer have autonomy over their own experience. For some reason, men are making these decisions and they shouldn't be, you know, around the laws. But on an individual level, we need to take so much more responsibility than we It's do. about the human rights aspect. And I just feel like the humans are being left out of this. I think that this is going to be the beginning of, of another uprising. I'm Emily Goff, a human connection coach, speaker, and mental health advocate with an insatiable sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using the power of stories to teach, learn, and grow. It's about allowing for room to grow, and this podcast focuses on three main pillars, human connection, personal growth, and freedom. We cover topics like relationships and cultivating genuine supportive connections with ourselves and others, speaking your truth, shattering personal barriers, radical self-acceptance, and courageously leaning into your skill sets. Whether it's a solo episode or bringing on highly curated guests with incredible stories, experiences, and expertise to share, we're leaning in and taking the entire idea of growth to the next level, all while still covering the uncomfortable topics that many of us like to avoid. There's always more room to grow. Let's do this. Welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here. And today's episode is different than anything I've ever done before. Um, With the overturn of Roe versus Wade in the U.S. about abortion last week, there have been a lot of emotions coming up for many people, regardless of whether you're in the U.S. or not. And I had the privilege of bringing together uh, two friends of mine to join me in this in this episode, um, Sarah Silverstein and James Walsham. And I'll list information about how to find uh, and connect with both of them and a little bit more about each of them. They introduce themselves in the episode as well. But ultimately, none of none of the three of us are experts in anything related to this. We are all simply just humans having an experience in the world. And that's the way that we are addressing this episode. Um, Sarah and James each both share deeply, deeply personal stories about experiences that they've had in their past uh, related to abortion and relationships and everything that comes with it. Uh, We're also sharing some of our opinions, some statistics around abortion, some of the really difficult conversations that take place around this. And I need to be very clear here. This is, again, none of the three of us are experts on this topic at all. We are not pretending to be. We are simply opening the door to a very, very uncomfortable topic. Um, And this is... This is a conversation that we need to have more often in order to remove some of the deep, deep stigmatization around it. Because even in countries where where abortion is legal, it's still uh, just a stigmatized. There's so many, even amongst women, um, women that uh, are, have close friends, a lot of times women don't even feel comfortable sharing anything about abortion with their close friends, even that this is something that that often just goes unsaid. But when the door to access to something like this closes, there is this massive ripple effect that comes out of this. And and this I can't stress enough that this podcast barely, barely scratches the surface. There are so 
many nuanced opinions and complexities and layers to this that I could not possibly even begin to hope to explore in, in a single hour, but I wanted to at least start and to try. So this is a part of um, a series that I am starting called Room to Grow After Dark. And it wasn't actually intended to be about this particular topic. I was just, a year ago, I did uh, a live podcast recording so that people could attend and then we had a Q&A afterwards for anyone who was live. And then I aired the episode later on here on the podcast. And it, it was really popular and I decided to make an entire series out of it. So this is going to be called Room to Grow After Dark, where you can attend a podcast recording live of me and a guest, in this case, two guests. And then we open up the floor at the end for Q&A, for some discussion, you know, questions, whatever you've got coming up. Um, and I was going to do the first one with Sarah in a couple of weeks. But with everything that has gone on in the world uh, over the past few days, we decided to do this instead. And I thought it was really special that we were able to get James to join us uh, to bring a male perspective to this um, because he's got a really unique perspective on this. And I do think that we need to be hearing from more men because men, we need men to be part of this conversation because this is something that affects everyone. This is something that affects everyone. And we also all happen to be from three different countries too. Uh, two of which have universal health care and one of which does not. So there, there are a lot of different opinions on this. I am very aware that there are very strong opinions on this. You may not agree with things that are said in this. That's okay. Um, you know, we're not always all going to agree on these topics, but I do think that these are very, very life-threatening life, life conversations to have because there are people's lives that are endangered by these policies. Um, by by not allowing safe abortion to take place. So buckle up. This one's a little bit longer than usual. Uh, we do get a really beautiful question from one of the listeners uh, close to the end as well from uh, listener Morgana. And I hope that you share this and uh, that you get as much out of this as I did um, getting to listen to Sarah and James. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you guys so much for being here, especially on such short notice. This was Sarah and I had planned to do a live podcast. Uh, Sarah is actually the only one I've ever done a live podcast with. We did it originally a year ago, almost exactly a year ago. Actually, it was crazy, the timing. And I decided to run it again because the last time we did it, it was super popular. So I was going to bring Sarah back as the, the first the first guest on this series that I'm calling the After Dark series. So I'm going to be doing these more often. Um, and every once in a while, we will do a live version of the podcast where people get to attend, listen in. And then after the recording stops um, at the end, then we're going to open up the floor and then you can ask questions. We can have a discussion with anyone who wants to to bring anything up or any points or anything like that. That's kind of the benefit of it because podcasting is always so removed, like, I, I just end up talking to a screen and then I'm like, is, is anybody, is anybody there? <laughs> so I like having this more interactive element that we get to do. So 
I am, I'm Emily Goff for anybody who doesn't already know who is new to me. And this is the room to grow podcast. Um, I am delighted to be able to in, to have James, uh, Walsh joining us as well as the lovely Sarah Silverstein. These two humans are both incredible. Sarah does, uh, she's a breathwork extraordinaire. She's actually, um, James and I have both gone through her breathwork teacher training and she's amazing. Sarah also does all kinds of other things that she's going to tell you about. And James does men's work, such a beautiful human. These guys both have just amazing hearts. And we're talking about a really sensitive topic today. So I'm going to let both of these guys introduce each other at each other themselves. And <laughs> you can introduce each other too, if you want. <laughs> and we got what you said at this right. <laughs> Right. Then we're going to kind of just set the stage for um, the space that we're creating today. And Sarah's going to also walk us through a beautiful meditation. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. And just thank you to everyone for being here and wanting to be part of such an important conversation about women's rights and everything that is going on in the world. So, Sarah, why don't we start with you? Introduce yourself. Brilliant. Hi, everyone. My name is Sarah Silverstein. And I'm an international breathwork guide and aura photographer and a female. Um, I am as diverse as all of my jobs and, and so much more than just that. Uh, coming in uh, from Philadelphia in America, and I care so much about this topic and all the things that are changing. It feels really poignant to have an open dialogue on this and to just, you know, give space for anyone who, you know, also needs to feel like they're being held through this and that they're not alone. Uh, so that's just a little bit about me and I'll dive into a whole lot more in a bit. Thank you, Sarah. All right, James, you're up. Tell us all about you. Hello. Uh, so, yes, my name is James. Uh, I am, I kind of operate in the men's wellness, men's work space. Uh, have done for the last couple of years, found a, a bit of a voice during the pandemic to talk around topics such as men's mental health. And I kind of found a, yeah, found a voice in sharing my own story and um, have been on a journey to kind of link up my own journey with the kind of journey that a lot of men go through and so um you know I've, I've kind of dipped my toe into working in the space of of working with yeah working with men working with men around the, the kind of challenges that they have um whether that be with the relationships themselves relationships with others uh have found one of the biggest healing modalities for me is, is working and understanding how important compassion is so i run a an instagram account uh, called the compassionate man and um, I'm actually very blessed to have found these two humans uh, in the in the in the wonderful world of Instagram and and the, and the internet. And um, yeah, very thankful for for kind of being given the the opportunity just to sit in this conversation. I think. Um, and again, I'm sure, like Sarah, I'll, I'll be sharing um, a little bit of my own experience. Uh, yeah, a little bit of my own experience in this in this space. But um, no, I, I've just. Uh, I just huge. I just think this is an incredibly important topic. Um, I, I'm coming to you from from the sunny south coast of Bournemouth, which is in England. So yeah, we're all all in different countries, which is pretty cool as well. Yes, yes. I was actually going to mention that that that's part of the the uniqueness here is that well, first of all, I give James credit because he just got up from a nap so that he could join us at midnight UK time <laughs> to be part of this. This is the dedication that he's showing to be here tonight, and I I just. I thought that it was really um, special to be able to bring a man's perspective into this too, because, you know, this is 
kind of the side of things that we we don't always get to hear. Um, and both Sarah and James have very generously offered to share some very personal stories. And we're going to be looking at some different aspects of this. But this is, you know, there's a lot of, with the overturning of Roe versus Wade last week, um, you know, anybody who might be listening being like, you know, what does this really matter? Because like, I'm, I'm Canadian. Um, James, as he said, is, is British. She's in the UK. What do we care? Right. You know, what does, how does this even really affect us as two humans in other countries? And the thing is, is that there is a ripple effect that comes out of this. First of all, as a Canadian, I'll just say that our everything in this country is massively influenced by the U.S. Any Canadian will tell you that. Um, some Canadians, I think, would like to think that the separation is more than it truly is, but there isn't nearly as much separation as, as some people would think. So there has been almost panic in Canada when the documents first got leaked, uh, was it a month or so ago, um, really concerned that things are going to start to change in Canada too. And I don't know that that possibility can be ruled out. Um, yeah, there's just, there's, there's so many layers to this. There's so many myths around abortion as well. Um, it, there's, there's just, there's a lot of, of different examples that, that we can give here. But if for anyone who doesn't know, like one in, on average, one in four women will have an abortion by the time they reach 45. Um, but the argument that I sometimes hear, and there, there are many, there's so many points, nuances, so many different things on every possible side, um, that we could, that, that we could go into, and we're going to try and touch as many as we can, but in an hour on this nuance of a topic, we are limited, obviously. Um, and we, I, we do not claim to be, none of us claim to be experts on this either, but one in four women, um, will on average, will have an abortion by the time they're 45. And one of the things that I'll sometimes hear people say is that uh, is an argument against the, the choice, being able to have the choice is that they don't want to see it used. Is it people don't want to see it used as a method of, of birth control in lieu of other methods of contraception. And that is incredibly rare. It's incredibly rare. Most women, I actually called up um, some stats here and there was some information about this. And it said that uh, this is from prochoice.org. Um, so obviously the bias is in the URL. I fully acknowledge that, <laughs> but it's talking about the fact that most women who have abortions have not had any previous abortions. So more than half of women who do end up having an abortion have never had one before. And then 26%, um, have only ever had one before. So this is not, I've never known a, a woman ever or spoken to a woman who woke up in the morning and went, wow, I'd really like to get an abortion today. I, there, there are so many levels and layers to this and it's not a topic that can be discussed lightly. And I don't, I've never met anyone who takes it lightly if they're put in the position of feeling like they have to make that choice. Sarah, how are we doing here? You okay? Yeah. Like I came back into, you know, you just like listing out all these stats. And if you just think about it, like the individuals that have, you know, had to go through an abortion and never told anyone, 
and, you know, exactly. did everything on their own. And, you know, the, all of the fear that is in, in tandem with that and sorry for popping in and out, but I also just, I wanted to start off by saying this and not and acknowledging that it's not just, you know, like me as a woman, like there, there are so many other individuals that are going to be impacted by this and minorities and trans people and, and just all of this, like the magnitude is so vast and wide and the, the threat that it has against, you know, all of us as individuals is, is so vast. Um, would you guys like me to start with a little grounding meditation before we go in deeper? Please, that would be that? magical. Yes. Beautiful, be beautiful. All right, my loves. So <clears throat> before I get fired up any more than I am, I just flip my hair in case you were wondering. Uh, <laughs> I would love for you just to drop into your body. And if that makes no sense to you, I will, so kind of want you to wiggle it back and forth a little bit, like wherever you're sitting or laying or lounging, just kind of move your body slowly and gently and just start to breathe in through your nose and feeling that air, just like going through your nostrils, down your throat, filling up, you know, your chest, the middle part of your torso, your belly just taking note of that soft expansion that happens when we inhale. And since the topic is heavy, I'd love for the exhales just to be a little bit heavier as they come out through your mouth. And you're welcome to keep your eyes open, closed, or find your, your gaze fixed on something, however you feel supported. And just follow your breath for a moment. And understand if you're on here live or you know listening to this replay, we are all being connected by this right now. Breath does not care about who you are, what your circumstances are, what you've been through. This is the first thing we do when we are all born and the last thing we do when we die. This really beautiful, powerful life force that courses through all of us. And I'd love for you to just bring maybe your next breath's attention to almost as if you're sending your breath down to the tips of your toes and try to find a little relaxation in your feet, in your calves when you exhale. And on your next inhale, bringing the attention into your knees. Maybe you place your hands there. We often don't realize you know, how they carry us through everything. And every exhale, just try to find a little sense of relief and relaxation in the body. On your next big inhale, bring it into your reproductive area. Maybe you place your hands on your body, just feeling that connection, exhaling and just sinking deeper in. Maybe wiggle your hips from side to side. Next inhale, just into your belly, the soft belly inflation. And maybe you let your exhale be a little bit heavier now. <sighs> Carry a lot of emotions in there. Taking another breath into your belly and softly out. Bring your attention up into your chest where your heart is. And taking a few rounds of breath there. If you're feeling fear, frustration, and anger, letting the exhales be heavy. Just letting your breath move however it needs to. On your next inhale, I want you to bring your shoulders all the way up to your ears and softly letting it go and sinking, allowing the shoulders to drop and gently just push back and feel a soft stretch across your heart space. 
to see if you're carrying any tension. And taking in five more rounds of breath that just bring you back into you, into this present moment, fully here with the three of us. knowing that everything feels chaotic and unsteady, but we can always bring that steadiness and that connection back into ourselves. It's just a few rounds of breath. Bring a softness into your face. Maybe you stretch your jaw open. See if there's any crackling happening there. Moving your neck if you'd like. And then I'd love for us all to take in a big dramatic inhale through the nose and let it all the way out like a big <sighs> beautiful. And just stay connected into this beautiful, just rhythmic round of soft inhale, soft exhale while we're together for the rest of the time. Knowing you can always step away and come back or press pause later on. Just tending to yourself first. And maybe now we'll all be a little bit more calm and ready to dive a little deeper. <sighs> all right, how are you guys feeling? Thank you, Sarah. Mm. Thank you so beautiful. much. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So now that we've grounded a little bit, calm before a big topic, Sarah, since we lost you a couple of times, where would you like to dive in? I so just want to be here right now. Um, I mean, I think, I think what was really interesting for me was last week when the news came in, I was working at an event and I uh, was shooting auras and this woman came in and she sat down and looked distraught and was like, is this going to affect my auric energy? And I was like, yeah, of course it is darling. And she just wept. And, and then I wept and like, just the, the connection that was felt there with no more words besides fear and frustration and rage. It was just stunning to be able to connect with that person. And the next woman that walked in told me that she had made an appointment to get her tubes tied. And I just think we are at a point in the world in 2022, where there's just like this deep for like ferocity that comes from individuals when our rights are being, you know, stripped away. And I think it's just so funny that anyone thinks we're going to take this laying down. Anyone thinks it's like, yo, it's, it's all right. Like we'll figure it out, you know? And it's like, yeah, we are. And you have no idea what beasts you have just poked, like watch out. And I couldn't help, but like be immediately triggered into my own experiences with this. And, um, for, for anyone that has ever followed me, uh, y'all know, I, I, you know, bore a lot of my soul for the internet and I, I love connection more than anything. These, these kinds of instances, like trigger me into my own personal experiences and, for me, just realizing like the second that these, that Roe v. Wade was overturned and then how, you know, doctors had to look at patients and say that they couldn't complete, you know, procedures that were also going to protect the safety of a mother, uh, was just baffling to me. And I, 
I love to share my life with people and I love to share the ins and outs of it. But also I think there is, you know, some part that needs to be sacred and I've kept a lot of that in. Uh, but for me, I feel like it's now, you know, time to start to talk about these things. Cause I think people just to think like women get, you know, are having unprotected sex. So then if they get pregnant, like they can just abort it. And it's just, it's so much more than that. It's so much more than like that gross negligence that I think is being talked about. And like, for me personally, a couple a month ago, I, was with my partner. We had a condom break and it was on an ovulation day for me. And I had to go and get plan B on the same day that it was banned in Missouri. And I just remember standing there looking at it, thinking what a privilege it is to be able to first and foremost, afford this secondly, to also be be able to have access to this because where I'm currently at in my life, I would not be able to raise a child. And it was a really confronting experience to take a look at and to understand that I was going to have to alter my body uh, because I couldn't have a baby in this present moment. And, and that's just the, the easiest like situation to take a look at as someone who has been assaulted more times than I can count um, there. I, I very easily could have fallen pregnant at any of those times. And to think that I would have to carry out a pregnancy from a rapist is absolutely vile or that my health um, could complicate things and that I wouldn't be able to make a decision to keep my own life. Like it's just absolutely baffling to me. And it has gutted me left and right. Just thinking about the individuals that are so scared, uh, that they no longer have autonomy over their own experience and, and how they want to carry on throughout life. It's just, it, it really has floored me over and over again. And as I see, you know, more articles come out saying that, you know, oh, abortion's banned here now, or this is what's happening here. Or like people are being kicked out from that. I'm just, my, I want to rip my guts out. And it, I feel like we're at this point where it's like, well, what can we do? And what can this look like? And I think the more we all share our own like personal experiences and stories, people can get a better understanding of what this is. And, and I think in the way that we've always looked at abortion as if it, it's good or bad, not, not in a realm of, you know, is that what this person needs in this present moment? Like does, is their safety and well-being being considered? And it just feels to me that now that that's not an option, right? Yeah. Like no one cares anymore. <laughs> now it's like, all right, cool. So we, we're going to pass all of these laws for these guns that are killing people all the time, but heaven forbid we be able to make a decision that could benefit multiple lives. And I think another side of the topic that doesn't get speaked about frequently is what about these women that fall pregnant? Um, because of a, a negligence or because of a rape or somebody said that they were going to wear a condom and then they didn't and then they are they become pregnant and they are linked to this person forever who could be a horrible human or who's going to cause harm to them or throw them down a flight of stairs or do something even worse like it's just it's so scary to consider what can happen to individuals now because the supreme court has decided that it's illegal yeah Thank you for sharing all that. It's you, you raised so many, so many incredible points. And you know, the last part too, about, I have considered many times over, um, how lucky I am. I think my lucky stars every day that I did not have a child with the man I was in a relationship with for almost a decade, who was emotionally abusive. And it was one of the first things that people, said to me when I got out of the relationship, they said, at least you didn't have kids. And I thought, you know, if I had, if I had found out about everything that he had had going on behind the scenes and like sort of seen him in, in a different light. And I also have a lot of compassion for him too. That's a, that's a different topic. Um, 
but I would not want to have a child with him. And if I had found out everything that I did, but what was going on in our relationship that I didn't know about until things kind of imploded that I was pregnant, I would absolutely not have had that child, but what a privilege. Like I'm sitting here in, in Canada where at least right now, abortion is still legal. And, and yet I, I know women who have had abortion done here very legally. And it was, it, it was very much, you know, their, their choice to be able to do that. And they felt shamed every single step of the way. Mm-hmm. Like the family doctor shamed them. The, they, they felt shamed by the professionals that were performing this procedure. And that broke my heart, you know, just because it's legal doesn't mean that there, that there isn't still this enormous shame and stigma that gets attached to it. Even amongst women, we often don't talk about abortion with each other because yeah. there's so much heaviness attached to it. And I, I also had this epiphany moment again, Canada has, has universal healthcare. So unlike the United States and, and James, I know that, uh, UK also has universal healthcare. So, you know, our countries are extremely privileged in in that sense. And I couldn't believe it. I literally did not realize until four or five years ago, I was speaking to an American friend of mine who, who wanted, she and her husband wanted to get pregnant. And she was talking about the cost of the actual birth. And I'm like, well, what, what do you mean? Like I, she explained to me about the, the literal costs associated with going to the hospital to give birth for some reason, even though I knew that obviously that you guys did not have universal health healthcare, it was as though in my mind, I had just decided that birth was some sort of exception. And, and because mm. how many people give birth and how, how, how is it that you have to pay to birth a child like that, that just boggled me. And I mean, listen, we're not going to be able to solve United States universal healthcare tonight or anytime soon, but it's just one of the many factors here that is an enormous, like staggering cost that so many people can't afford, particularly marginalized communities. It's they are the ones who are going to be hit the hardest by this and individuals who do not have support on various levels, not to mention the resources to be able to make a choice, to be able to go to a different state, to have this done, to be able to have the choice to choose what to do with their own bodies. These are some of the problems that are presented. For sure. And I, so my hometown is in upstate New York, where it is very Republican and uh, very, very hard for anyone with an open mind to exist for much longer than 24 hours. Uh, but there, I like, I, I know my friends there had, you know, always said that they, they were pro-life and that's what I was raised in. And it was just very confronting because I was, I was raised in a different kind of household where, you know, we did have these conversations. We could see, you know, every which side of it. And just because, you know, the Bible says, the Bible doesn't even say anything about abortion. I'm pretty sure I watched this TikTok that was talking about that. And somebody was like, it was like a bunch of different religions. And they were like, yeah, our, our religious text doesn't actually say anything about that. And it's like, it's, it always has to come back to the mother. And I just thought that was really fascinating how things are constantly twisted and, and why, why are these, you know, religious ideas being placed in these realms of where then they have to have laws over our bodies. And I, 
I personally, um, I was pregnant when I was 16 and I was in a high school that people were pregnant all the time and they just had their kids and they figured it out because they had decided that that was, you know, their lot in life. That's just what you did. And I remember, you know, as I'm peeing on a pregnancy test in my, my diner that I worked in, uh, seeing, you know, the positive result come up, I couldn't even afford the pregnancy test. I had to steal that. And then seeing, you know, a positive result, I thought I can tell no one, I will tell no one. And uh, including my then partner and none of my friends. And I remember, uh, I got, I drove myself to a Planned Parenthood and honestly, I had the best experience of my life. I, I was welcomed in with people that had open arms and open hearts and understood, you know, where I was at and were, were telling me that if that was a decision that I wanted to make, then they would support me. And they never told me that I should do it or that I couldn't do it. And there were protesters outside. And I remember being so frightened walking in there because I was a child myself and feeling as if this was the beginning of me, you know, get coming into adulthood making one of the hardest decisions on my own and driving myself there for the procedure, which had to be much more extensive than I would have thought because of complications. And the, the women who worked there held my hand every step of the way. I had never felt more supported than, than that moment. And to, to look back on that with like a fond memory sounds quite twisted, but also that just goes to show when you give people the opportunity to work in a field that they are supposed to be in, they can really help change the course of someone's life. And if that hadn't happened, I would have had a 19 year old right now. I probably would not be doing the work that I get to do today because my entire life would have been different. I would probably still be in my hometown. I, I wouldn't have been able to live the life of my dreams. I would have had to change all of that. And because I had an opportunity to have a choice I got to continue, you know, on in my privilege and, and be able to, you know, navigate this life as beautiful as it is and as challenging as it is, but not thinking that anyone else could make a decision for me. And to think that, you know, there's another girl who is seeing a positive pregnancy test right now and is, is scared out of her mind that she has no option anymore makes me so sad and enraged because everyone should have autonomy over their body. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah, if you don't mind me jumping in just and, and kind of touching on a point that I think is really important here as well. And, and again, thank you so much for, for sharing your experience there. Um, something that I've recognized or realized in hearing so much of the commentary that's come through on social media over the past few days is just how, how much of a, a lack there is of, of discussion around just how uninformed that we are as a society around trauma and the impact it has on us as individuals and the fact that bringing children into the world in a in a in an un, again in an uninformed society when we don't discuss what trauma is we don't discuss generational trauma we don't discuss uh, the trauma uh, suffered amongst minority communities and how they are even more vastly affected and when we talk about the the sacredness of life and when it comes into this pro-choice or pro-life kind of very binary um conversation the the quality of life aspect is is kind of dismissed and you know on the pro-life side of things when, when we talk about that side of the argument it's almost as though the quality of life is just absolutely just 
it doesn't matter once once the, the child is here we we you know the, the conversation becomes too complex and there are too many subsets of 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 categories of of, of different different areas of, of human life that we all suffer in but actually it doesn't matter as long as the child gets an opportunity and we just completely dismiss and don't don't give any any we just don't know i'm trying to find the right words here but we do not consider how much healing every individual has to do realistically to bring a child safely into this world every every child will likely suffer some form of emotional trauma however the amount of awareness that we have as as individuals as a collective around healing our own trauma is so it, it it's non-existent you know if you look at it across the board um and the fact that we are not we don't have this awareness as a as a collective and as a community and a society it means that we are absolutely condemning children who come into this world to be traumatized and to carry that on and i think that's one of the most important parts of the conversation as to why this is so devastating because you know we need to heal before we, we need to do our best. Like so many of us have this, this idea of bringing children into the world. And so many people are actually motivated to bring children into the world as some sort of way to right the wrongs that were done to them. Mm. And we say, you know, I'm going to give my children what I never had. And I'm going to treat my children in the way that I was not treated. And I'm going to essentially, I'm, I'm going to try and heal my own wound by and my own trauma by virtue of how I am going to raise my child and unfortunately whilst there's 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 a great intention in that and and so often we see that in in the relationships between parents and children I mean speaking from my experience and and, and what I kind of speak into a lot around the father-son relationship the trauma passed down from father to son due to the fact that fathers simply don't look inwards and figure out their own shit and do their own healing and address their own trauma. So many relationships between fathers and sons break down and the fathers do not know why. And they are defensive and ignorant. And they say, well, I've done my best. So they actually then almost blame it on their, their sons. And that causes that relationship breakdown and then it just carries on generation after generation the father says i'm going to right my wrongs with 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 how i raise my son i'm going to give them what my dad didn't give me um again that's it's, it's this can happen in any parent dynamic father son you know mother daughter um you know and, and all genders but you know the importance of healing your trauma in order to create a safe environment to bring children into the world is just I just never even hear it as a concept of discussion. And this is, you know, how many politicians understand the concept of generational trauma? How many of these people <laughs> making these decisions are, are, are educated and understand, quite frankly, what the fuck they're talking about with regards to the quality of the life that these children are going to have? They just, they just don't know what they're doing. And that's, I again, think why it's, it's so devastating. 
sorry, I just think it's so fascinating how like we're putting all of these, you know, sanctions in place that take away our autonomy over our own bodies when, you know, the BIPOC community, like their the birth rates, like the things that happen uh, in those births are so traumatic, so awful. And the the death rate is so much higher amongst that those communities. And it's like, we, we're not even acknowledging any of that. And now here we are going to force people, you know, to have a baby to term when it can be out of, you know, a plethora of things. And it's like, we've already got enough pain in this world. Do we really need to continue to force that? You know, like I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I, I've obviously had conversations with you guys about this, but for anyone listening, I'm like 50, 50, don't know if I want to have kids, don't know if I do. And the idea of thinking if I accidentally fell pregnant, I had to have a kid, like I would be so resentful. Like mm. I, I just would not be, I, I would continue the trauma from my family, you know? And I think I, we should be moving towards something rather than going back in time. And it just seems so baffling that like, this is where it's starting. And I, I remember when Trump got elected and, and everyone was like, you're, you're being ridiculous. Like your reaction to this is awful and blah, blah, blah. And then I remember when Brett Kavanaugh got voted in and, and I just wept and wept and wept thinking we're doomed. And Honestly, I don't know if I was naive, but I didn't think that this was going to get overturned. I was like, oh, yeah, haha, no. And now I'm like, oh, my gosh, like everything is so much more grave than I could have ever known. And I am moved to a new state, so I need to register to vote. And my dad had messaged me about that this morning because one of the candidates is just a wackadoo. And it was like, wow, our, the idea that voting doesn't matter has to really go out the window. Like people really need to show up now more than ever. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Sarah. And and James, you raised such beautiful points as well. You know, one of the things that I really struggle with is I don't even like using the term pro-life because it's pro-birth. It's not pro-life, it's pro-birth. And the argument gets made that it's about life, but I'm like, what do you do for that life once it takes its first breath? What what is what is done for it? There, there are so few you know, even just basic like social security systems in place. And, and I don't pretend to be an expert, not only on any of this, but uh, on, on American uh, politics and stuff like that. I may be a tiny bit more well-versed than maybe the average because my university degree was in public policy and we closely studied like U.S. politics as well as Canadian, but uh, I am not anywhere close to being well-versed enough in it to know. But Sarah, I mean, you could certainly speak to that um, as well from more, you know, firsthand experience, but the, the systems are not in place to support this. And I'm glad, Sarah, that you mentioned as well, the mortality rate, like the, the mortality rate of um, people who are black with uteruses who give birth is two to three times higher than that of women in childbirth. And that's not even counting the other minorities. That's just the black community. It is appalling. And yet that, that it, it, there's, there's just, women have to be able to be given the level of autonomy to care for themselves. And the stories that are coming out already just over the weekend from the decision uh, to overturn Roe versus Wade and the women that were coming into the hospitals with ectopic pregnancies and doctors were on the phone with legal counsel trying to find out if they could actually even save the mother's life or not without having their license revoked. 
This is like four days. It's so sickening. Like, there's just the idea that, you know, like, I, I would just love to hear like why they decided that this was what needed to be done. Like how do, how are they not seeing that it is going to cause such mad chaos, put people in so much more danger? Like wh- how, how is this respecting any of the current lives? You know what I mean? James, I would love to get your perspective as well from, from the male side of things, because that was why I thought it was a little bit unique that we were going to be able to, to bring you on because I think a lot of men are almost afraid to speak up about this because they acknowledge, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to try and exert more control over mm-hmm. women's bodies by having an opinion in, in some ways, mm-hmm. um, or at least being very vocal about, about their opinion. So can you speak a little bit more on, on the men's, the men's side of things, the men's perspective? Yeah, of course. I think, um, one of the most important factors that I think men need to consider, um, is that we have, every single one of us has benefited from these laws from birth control. Um, you know, we are extremely privileged, but, uh, you know, as with a lot of other subjects, we are very, very ignorant around the realities of if we are in relationships with human beings that have wombs. So it is, you know, we don't pay enough attention, you know, whether it's around, um, you know, people's cycles, um, their, you know, what happens to their bodies during pregnancy, um, the, the actual process of what someone goes through if they were to become pregnant and they wish and they, they don't want to go ahead, what those options are, what the timeframes are, what they look like, um, the sheer gravity of what that experience feels like, how much of a potentially terrifying ordeal and, and, and journey that is um and and just how you know as disgusting as it is to say privileged men are that they really in in society in the way that we are set up we can walk away and as terrible as that is we actually have been given free license by the way that the government sets laws up um that really we don't you know, and we can often avoid things like financial responsibility. Um, so not only are men set up to, you know, I mean, we can get into com- you know conversations around things like gender pay gaps and the fact that men, you know, predominantly earn more money than women. So not only do we earn more money, but we're given free license to go around, um, you know, essentially when it comes to the, you know, on the birth control part of the conversation as well, you know, if we're honest with ourselves as men, how many times have we, you know, if we're having sex with a partner um, and we don't, we, we can't, we hear things like, oh, I don't like wearing condoms. Um, you know, we really, we really, really are um, extremely, extremely ignorant to, to really what's going on in these scenarios. Um, so we have to pay attention and we have to recognize how much pressure and how much responsibility is being channeled at the potential childbearer. And we need to grow up, we need to face up to this, and we need to really, really take responsibility. Um, from the uh, so from the abortion side of things, um, I, I again would would be very, very um, happy to share an experience that I've had in this realm. And um, before I do, again, I, I don't want to, um, I think 
it's really important that I state that I am speaking to my experience here. Um, the person who I went through this journey with, I won't give away any timings or how long ago this happened, um, but it was in a relationship that I was in that I would consider I was an adult in. Um, I actually found that this experience was one of the most um, difficult, kind of traumatic, but also hugely shaping experiences for me as a, a, as a man. I actually think that this experience coming out the other side of it it was something that made me feel like I had actually become a man and I had really learned what it was like to make these sorts of decisions. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, I just want to make sure I uh, acknowledge and, and honor the, the privacy of the person that went through this experience with me. Um, but ultimately I was in a relationship and there was an unplanned pregnancy and the fear that even though we were in a you know committed monogamous relationship that person still was extremely fearful of the moment where they had to tell me that they were pregnant for fear that I would run I, I you know never gave any um you know when, when we talked about it afterwards we never got it wasn't I'd ever given her any impression that that was the type of man that I was or that there was just this deeply deeply rooted um perhaps misplaced in our relationship but not misplaced in society fear that the, the man runs and ultimately we ended up going through a conversation where we decided that due to a number of factors it was not the right time um, and we didn't feel safe we didn't feel ready um financially emotionally uh the position that just where we were at in our lives in our relationship it wasn't the right time to go ahead and again in this country, we're fortunate to have access to these services. And um, the journey that I went on throughout the conversations and that, that process was, I, I remember it being a situation where I felt as though I was, it was really important that I supported her decision. It was really, really important that whilst she was happy for me to share my opinion and, and give my feelings on the matter and and it was a very safe space and a, and a uh, you know an open conversation for us both to have ultimately i felt it was most important as the you know as the one who would be bearing the child and going through that experience that, that i supported her journey and 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 really made her feel safe in sharing how she felt and so it was a mutual decision that we decided not to go ahead however that experience for me and the difficulty in making that decision, the things that came up for me were that I felt like not being ready and the fact that she felt that I wasn't ready. Um, that made me go through all sorts of things about fail, feeling like I was failing as a man, that I was failing the relationship, failing my duty as, as, as to where I was meant to be in my life. And I don't know whether I would, it, a lot of stuff just came up for me that I had to kind of face head on, but whilst it was one of the most difficult decisions and one of the most challenging things that I have ever been through, I still to this day believe that my experience was 10% of the difficulty and the challenges and the pressure that she went through again, emotionally, physically, um, every part of that was, my experience couldn't touch what she went through. Um, and 
it is just it really really upsets me that not enough men are brave enough to listen into and really you know because i get that it's uncomfortable and i get that we're facing up to our own ignorance when we when, when, when we try and listen into these sorts of conversations here and we don't like to feel like we don't know um we we are shamed for not knowing what we should know we are uh we feel embarrassed and we actually would rather more often than not we, we turn away because facing up to our own ignorance and and recognizing where we feel shame in these areas it's it's tough and it's a tough pill to swallow and it's difficult to really face into your own ignorance but we have to we have to because for some reason men are making these decisions and they shouldn't be you know around the laws but on an individual level we have so much we need to take so much more responsibility than we do and um, yeah we need to recognize the impact of of you know our behavior and how it impacts the you know the the people that we are having sexual intercourse with and that we're potentially getting pregnant um yeah it's just we need to do way more my question is just like how much more weight do we need to carry like how much more yeah. are we expected to endure like do, does anyone think making the decision to you know end a pregnancy is easy like I just, it's so baffling to me the way that people's brains work or, you know, when I do talk to individuals that are, you know, pro-life and it's just like, who, who is joyfully signing up for these things? Like mm. I, my life was forever changed from the decision that I had to make in the same way that I'm sure yours was right. Like these are things that will forever change us and morph who we are and, and how great it is that we get to learn and grow from those experiences and, and how privileged are we that these are even options for us, but like mm. for the individuals that are going to be forced to carry to term on so many different levels, it's just absolutely disheartening. Like, ugh. I'm disgusted that this is something that we even have to face. Mm. I, I read something. Um, I can't remember where, where it was that I saw it, but you know, there's again, so much content that gets shared on these topics, but you know, when we, we, we completely lose touch with the compassionate element of, you know, having compassion towards again, the quality of lives of these children, you know, we, we, bringing them into the world in a life where they will suffer immense trauma they won't you know they will they will face all sorts uh, it, you know i mean this is i don't even know if this is right to make a comparison but we are allowed to you know euthanize pets from their suffering right like that's that's something that is just a given that if something is in suffering we are like if a pet something that we love deeply we're able to euthanize pets because of of, of pain and disease and things like that right but we can't fathom the degree of pain and suffering and trauma that a child will potentially face and understand that it could be the more compassionate thing to end a pregnancy. We can't get our heads around that. And it just blows my mind. It absolutely well, I, mean, I, also, mind. I also think that there's a lot of decisions that are being made based on capitalism, right? Like mm. there, it's, it's going to make sense to keep the poor poorer right? And to keep this, this divide in, in money and, and what people are able to do. And if people are going to, you know, have unprotected sex and unplanned pregnancies, and they're going to have to be carried, like be expected to carry to term and do all these things, which are going to keep them poor, keep them low. Uh, and it's just, 
it's it's just disgusting when you think about it like that right and i think you know the the us is obviously you know big on capitalism and it's what we really thrive on so i think like just the so many communities are going to be continue to put at a, a lower advantage of being able to succeed like there's just so many sides of this that you're just like what and it like if if we think that this is the first thing they're coming for like as you know somebody who identifies as queer like what are you coming for next are we going to take away gay marriage uh what's what's going to happen with birth control like all of these different facets like this is the tip of the iceberg and i'm petrified to think what else is possible yeah yeah because it's it's about like the human rights aspect and I just feel like the humans are being left out of this. The compassion for the women who are left with the responsibility of dealing with this. Even, even if we look at the, the birth control side of things being on, on mostly the shoulders of the women, birth control pills alone, I'm just going to pick one, hormonal birth control pills wreak havoc on women's bodies. And we often don't get told about that when we're 16, never. 17, 18, going on it. Like I was never told anything about that. I think, I think they asked if I smoked to make sure that I didn't get blood clots. <laughs> I think that was the only thing they asked me when I was 18 and went on birth control. And then I was on it for 11 years. And I finally went off of it because I had multiple symptoms of, of issues that were coming as a result of the pill. And I started looking at research and realized that the, that the threat of multiple things, including serious blood clots skyrockets after 10 years on it. I'm like, I can't yeah. be on this anymore. I, I can't, I can't continue to put my body through this. And when men's birth control was, was came out as a potential option, it had a third of the number of potential side effects. And it was decided that that was too much. That was Meanwhile, we're fertile for what, two or three days out of the month and men can impregnate someone every day. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it just feels like the, the scales are, are, are tipped there significantly. And, and again, like there's this entire conversation is just barely scratching the surface. Obviously sure. there are so many different considerations with this that we could never possibly cover in here, but James, I'm I'm really, really grateful for, for your perspective too. And just sharing, sharing a a perspective that doesn't always get shared, um, nearly as much. And because I think you're right. I, I think that a lot of men do respect that it is ultimately the women's, the woman's choice. Um, they may not necessarily like or agree with the decision, but I do think that the majority do. And this is shown as well, like even just in the States alone, the majority of people want abortion to remain a legal option. Just an option. Like we're not, it's like, it's not like everyone's going to be demanded to have abortions or anything like it's just like it's a, let us have an option and to be fair like i'm in my scenario it, it wasn't supported i was not supported in the fact that i wanted to make this decision for you know the couple i ended up obviously telling my partner after the fact which of course i wish i was you know emotionally intelligent to have that conversation before but again i was a kid 
you know? So we have all these different scenarios come up. And I remember I was shamed for making that decision because I wanted a life ahead of me. And, and that's as someone who, who was a, you know, a, a fairly wealthy white human in the suburbs, you know, like, I just can't stop thinking about everyone else who will not have this opportunity, who will not have the ability to, you know, go somewhere where they can have safe, a safe abortion. And, you know, Emily and I both lived in Indonesia where abortion is illegal. And, you know, when expats would, you know, become pregnant, there was always like, well, where do we go? And there was like two doctors on the island that, you know, could safely do it. But when we limit these things, if we don't think that we're going to have an uprising of other issues coming from this were absolutely foolish. Like the the only thing I can see from this is is worth and more tra- or worse and more tragic. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any other things that you guys want to touch on of the many things that we haven't uh, that we haven't even been able to cover yet? Well, also anyone who's on live, if you want to say anything in the chat box or, you know, impart any of that, I think that's important too, because obviously this is all of us just like bopping back and forth. But um I think there, there are so many valuable insights, opinions, all of these things. And, and also just to say, again, like if you are outraged and upset about this, you aren't alone. And unfortunately, this is probably the beginning of a long, hard road, but I have no shadow of a doubt that we are going to fucking do something amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does anyone have anything that they want to, to ask anything that they want to jump in with, add to the conversation? please feel free. We would love to hear from you. And also just like on my side, I I just want this conversation to be opened up between people and their friend group. You know, we started off by saying how, you know, we've, we've kept these secrets and these things hush hush. But when we do that, we also continue to silence ourselves and people don't understand the different scenarios that are out there, or, you know, we can't show up for people's trauma when we're carrying the burden alone. And I just don't think that that is what has ever worked. And I think we're in a time where we can be more vulnerable and open and share these things and find the trust and support. And I just think the the sense of community, like strengthening that will happen because of this is vast if we continue to use our voices. I, I really do hope that, that if, that one of the things that comes from this is removing the stigma attached to having an abortion and being able to to speak about it with people you trust. I don't mean, you know, necessarily shouting it from the rooftops. That is not the right, the, the right uh, solution for everyone. And it is a very explosive topic that a lot of people aren't comfortable sharing publicly, but to at least be able to feel a degree more comfort sharing it with, with the people closest to you, assuming that you have a supportive group of humans, which not everybody does, which is part of the privilege too. This is the thing. And, you know, I, I do not want kids. I do not want kids and I have never been pregnant. And if I got pregnant tomorrow, I would be devastated. And, and I take the precautions to avoid such things, but nothing is a hundred percent. So if I got pregnant tomorrow (laughs) and I would be devastated and I have the privilege of being able to go and schedule an abortion because I do not wish to have children. And again, you know, like we, we should be able to have the choices. I'm not relying on that as a form of birth control. I, I put everything else in place. That would be an absolute last resort. And not only would I be devastated to be pregnant, I would be devastated to abort the pregnancy. I would be devastated about both sides of it, because that is not a decision that I would ever take lightly ever. Yeah. And, and that's one of the, the things that I just 
hear, I, I've, I've, I've had conversations even with people recently before this, this came up who leaned more, not, not fully, but more towards the pro-life side, the pro-birth side. And that was kind of one of their arguments was it shouldn't be used as a, as a method of birth control. I don't know women who yeah. use this as a yeah. love, as a method of birth control. Like, it listen, is- I'm sure people have, you know, and that's, and sure that's the truth of it. Have. There's, there's all of these opportunities in these different avenues, of course. And it's yeah. just like, but that is not the majority. Like no one is going to By electively far. want to do this to themselves over and over again. Like, no. no. So I think it's important that we pay attention to our politicians, to what they actually care about. Don't go throwing money, maybe necessarily at them, but you know, to the causes that are going to be able to uphold some sort of safety and care for individuals. And I was recently at my friend's house. She's actually on here still three. Um, and we were just talking about, you know, like stocking up on, on plan B or, you know, on the abortion pill for people for when it is illegal. And it was just, just absolutely baffling. That, that was a conversation that we, we should be having thinking that that was going to be stripped away and like just a state by state kind of situation here being like, wow, I cannot believe that this is, this is what's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I just, I just want everyone to keep talking about it. Right. Like, I think we all have these experiences happen and then we all care about it until the next big thing that comes around. And it's kind of like when Black Lives Matter was popping off in America. And I feel like now no one cares again, you know, and it's like, no, like black and brown and and minorities are still being murdered by cops all the time, you know, and it's like, we're, we're not learning anything. So we keep having these tragic experiences happening. And it's just kind of like, when are we going to, actually remember and, and not like let it fade into the back so like keep keep sharing keep talking keep saying that you're uncomfortable I I shared with Dorit you know when I was at her house that like I for the first time I walked through the park and I felt unsafe to be a woman and I was like what the like what and and as an individual who has lived through the depths of things like now is the time where I feel that like that was what the thing like just really kind of shook me to my core yeah just on that as well like um just to build on what you said there about continuing to talk one of the most powerful things that i have found over the last couple of years you know you talked about blm and these things that these kind of flashbulb moments in history that that happen and and give us an opportunity to lean into the uncomfortable conversations um i have found such a tremendous amount of not only education but healing within myself of you know following people from different walks of life different ethnicities different orientations different gender identities um which you know social media is actually a a pretty a pretty cool thing in that you can find anyone from any background any any sort of walk of life and it gives you a almost a very and, and there are some incredible educators out there um it gives you an, it gives you a really safe space to actually start listening into these conversations, you know, just following someone, just following, you know, following a, uh, you know, one of my, one of my favorite people that I follow in the world, I started following them because they were speaking so eloquently and powerfully um, during the George Floyd BLM situation. And that person is Brandon Kyle Goodman. Um, I they love are, him. He's one of my yeah. favorite humans too. Mm-hmm. I love him so much. I'll reference him in the show notes. <laughs> Please do. I think, I think, and just double check, because I think, 
I think it's, I think they identify as they rather than, yes. yeah, I could be wrong. They and um, we, I believe. Yes, thank you. Okay, cool. I just wanted to double check that because that's something that I'm learning. I, I get that wrong all the time. You know, when it's someone who, if I get their gender identity wrong, but I just, I recognize that go back two years or three years, I used to get an incredible amount of shame and embarrassment when I got it wrong. And so I would then come out with, I would project that I would, I would, def I would be defensive and I would label it as stupid or I didn't get it or whatever, but just through silently, you know, observing and listening and witnessing um, someone who is, you know, black, queer um, and speaking so powerfully on, on, on things that I know nothing about that has not only educated me, a hundredfold but it's also then allowed me to have a, a, a just you know a peek into a window of a life and and, and learn so much that actually whilst that person is so many different things to me they actually have one of the one of the most incredibly um beautiful human experiences that just in so many ways is similar to my own and it really unifies us and i think that that's just something that is just so 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 important you know, we're talking about pregnancy and abortion. And that is, again, you know, I've said how important it is for men to listen in and, and engage with these conversations. You might not feel brave enough to start speaking up on this stuff. You might feel scared. You might, again, when you, when you start, we saw it here in the UK um, just over a year ago with the, uh, there was a murder of a woman called Sarah Everard. She was killed by a, um, she was killed by a, a male police officer. And in that moment, again, there's one of these flashbulb moments where the concept of male violence towards women became a massive conversation and so many men couldn't hear because they felt attacked. So they started defending with this narrative of, well, not all men are doing this. Why are you labeling it as all men? And they became deaf to the actual nuance of the conversation. So, you know, we need to if we can't speak into these or if we don't feel safe enough speaking into these conversations, shut up and just listen and then there are so like i say social media is, is there are so many great ways so many videos everything is video content now there are podcasts there are reels there are you know instagram stories everyone is speaking about this stuff and you can just stop and listen and and, and learn and educate yourself beautiful points james thank you i totally agree morgana did i say that right you yes. oh perfect okay so <laughs> and do you want to i can edit this out or would you no. like this to air let yeah. it run. Let it run. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I have a, 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 I don't know, is this a comment or a question? Sarah, Sarah, Sorry. thank you. Thank you for sharing this and being here and being present and speaking on this. Um, first of all, I have one thing to say, the whole situation, absolutely barbaric. And, and I can't, as a Canadian watching this, I can't believe it's even happening at all. It's like, are you kidding me? Unbelievable. So here is what I have. I'm going to ask you, Sarah, to speak for all American women right now, which is not fair, but give me, give me, give me a hint. <laughs> what can we as Canadians on the outside watching this barbaric story unfold? How can we best support you in the US? How can, how can we, you know, what are your, the, the women of America are not going to sit still through this. So how can we on the outside support you? What can we do? Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not, it starts with you, but it doesn't end with you. Uh, it's all of us. For <laughs> we sure. Go down, we go question. down together, honey. Oh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? question, Morgana. I love you, Morgana. Um, thank you. And also like, 
you, you guys don't know Morgan, I do. And like, just to think of all the like life experience that you've lived through and now to see this, I can't imagine, you know, how that's also hitting you. Um, I think the, the best way that we can, you know, like first, like take a look at what's actually going on is like, look at the, the trigger band states, which are going to be like Kentucky, Louisiana, Oklahoma, North Dakota, Texas, Utah, Wyoming, there's like a few more of them. Um, and just take a look at, you know, who are on the ground providing, you know, care, advice and transportation. Um, there's going to be a lot of different action links that I'm sure that we'll all see, you know, on the internet right now, but any sort of fund that like any, if you can support any funds that are like putting care into this or driving, you know, people across the States or just simply asking your American girlfriends, like, how are they doing? What's going on? And, you know, like just checking in with them and seeing, you know, where, where are they at? What kind of support do they need? What are you actually hearing? And of course, like, obviously what's going to be important for us is that we're voting in people that will be able to, you know, make decisions for us. And unfortunately we've been let down time and time again, but I refuse to believe that our future is grim. I think that this is going to be the beginning of, of another uprising and just an opportunity to, to be present and, you know, to hold space for us. And as like, of course, I'm obviously a, a female in America, but any, any human in America, you know, any person that is being affected and marginalized by this, I think it's just important to use our voices to connect in. And again, you know, not to harp on it, but connection is everything. So just simply asking and, and paying attention and repost things. Like I, somebody was telling me, they're like, it's, you have to do more than just reposting on Instagram because it's like just your following. And since I've been talking about it, I've lost well over 300 followers and I don't give a shit. Like if you're not here for it, you can definitely go, but there's going to be, you know, people that are, are not in the same kind of like-mindedness as me. Right. And, and that's fine, but <laughs> I'll be damned if I ever be quiet. So just kind of leaning into that and taking a look at, you know, how can we actually be helpful on those states that are going to be impacted? I am from New York and had, we are just typically blue. So there's a lot of, you know, ease and comfort there, but all of these other states where people are going to be impacted from this immediately is what we need to kind of take a look at. Right. I think that's really helpful, Sarah. I, sorry, Morgana, does that answer the question? I'm going to reference some, some, some abortion uh, resources as well about where some funds can be directed and stuff. I'll list that in the show notes when it airs too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I've seen a lot of movement online just from the things that I have seen of, you know, people setting up coalitions to help women get across the border, put them up, get them what they need, support them while they're here, help them heal and help them get home. Um, and, you know, I'm just so on board with being any part of that that I can be. Um, and, I, and I know I think most Canadian women <laughs> will feel that way. You know, it's just no, no. The answer is no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I actually um, I saw Glennon Doyle post a couple of days ago. Somebody asked her how she she has managed to not lose hope with this. And I wish I could remember who. So this is not a Glennon Doyle quote. I heard this via Glennon Doyle, and I cannot remember who said it originally. So I will try and see if afterwards to reference to see who originally said it. But she said, hope isn't a feeling, it's a discipline. And mm -hmm. that really hit me because it was like, we have to keep training ourselves to come back to hope. And that can be applied, you know, for, for hope in, in any situation, but obviously, especially the, the one at hand right now, this can feel exceptionally grim and, and barbaric, as Morgana said, in so many ways and for so many different humans. And to continue to be able to come back to hope as a discipline, if we can exercise that, then there has to be 
there has to be something on the other side of this. This, this isn't where it ends. This cannot be where it ends. No, definitely. And it, it's not going to be. And I, I also love Glennon no. Doyle, who um, I just think says a lot of really brilliant things all of the time. And I just feel like I really resonate with her. Um, but I remember I was listening to something with her on it and she was saying how like the fight is big and everywhere, which means the win will be big and everywhere. Mm. Like, I don't think, I think this is going to be very similar to BLM where there's going to be another opportunity for us to all rise up together and to take a look at just human rights or across the board. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and just hopefully, I mean, we won't turn this into a, a whole conversation about BLM because there's, again, there's so many aspects of that, that, that need to be addressed. And I am not the expert on that by any stretch of the imagination. I'm, I'm constantly learning, but um, I just hope that there is sustainability to this fight. I think that there will be, but my, my, my concern in terms of the BLM is that there have been so many aspects of that that have not been sustained the way that, that we had all hoped. And I just hope that these, that these fights can be sustained over the long term because it's going to take the long term to fix some of these issues, not just the, the more surface level aspects of it, but addressing more of the root issues associated with this too. Not just one law or one precedent or whatever, but all of the other issues that come with this, including things like the, the mortality rates of black mothers and everything related to this, it just, just, you know, some of the things that we've mentioned today alone, they, they have root causes that need to be dealt with and actually addressed at that level. And then the ripple effect from that is just massive that could be incredibly beneficial and positive. Totally agreed. And unfortunately, I think um, as like the BLM movement had died down, uh, it, it takes something bigger like this, which is going to jolt us to kind of unite us all together. Because <laughs> I think when you really have an impact on, you know, like women or people that can carry children and trans people and all of that, like when we can band all together, ideally we can also, you know, have this issue, but also then shine lights on all these other areas. And sometimes it takes, you know, a, a group of loud white people for people to actually care about the other minorities, which is an absolute shame. But ideally we, we can, you know, band all together and take a look at everything that's being impacted. Yeah. Yeah. James, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I think that you guys have, uh just yeah spoken perfectly on, into so many important subjects um the only thing that i would say is when we talked to earlier a little bit uh a little bit ago about the whole um contraception responsibility um i really really think that yeah it's it's, it's a travesty that as sarah spoke into she said you know men are technically able to you know we are able to so we are able to ejaculate multiple times a day, every day of the year and cause thousands of pregnancies, right? And so the responsibility on men, whilst, you know, whilst there is not, you know, a male pill, whether that's hormonal or non-hormonal, um, whilst that stuff isn't available yet, we need to really readdress the, uh, yeah, we need to take way more responsibility on that front as well. Uh, we need to grow up around wearing condoms. We need to start understanding things like women's menstrual cycles or people's menstrual cycles. Um, 
and and pay attention here because like i say it's it's extraordinarily unfair the amount of pressure and responsibility that gets placed um and that, that we can walk away that we just don't have to think about um and uh you know if there was i think i, I hopefully speak on behalf of all men is that if, if these solutions come out and men are able to take you know pills whether they are as horrendous as they have been for you know the pills that women have had to take that whole you know impact hormones or whether they are you know non-hormonal and there are other ways that they can do it i know that i know that a lot of people speak into the whole concept of well why don't men get vasectomies um vasectomies actually do have a little um you know they, they can be irreversible after an, a, a period of time so it is important you know just in case anyone does hear that narrative and they say well why don't men just you know get some fucking vasectomies and you know tie some tie some knots in them until they know what to do with them um don't get me wrong if, if that was 100 reversible all the time and there were no possible you know long-term ramifications i'm sure we absolutely would look at solutions like that like we need to we need to do way more you know to, to give men more control over this aspect and give us the choice to, to take the responsibility but whilst it's being firmly placed at the at the uterus owners um we need to yeah we need to to you know, I don't want to use the word man up, but we need to grow up and, and and really make sure that we're supporting that situation as much as possible. Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned that, James, too, because I've had, you know, conversations with uh, female friends in the last couple of days about, you know, why don't men just get get vasectomies? And I have made your point as well, is that vasectomies are not always reversible. And I say this as somebody who does not wish to have children and that it's a running joke with my friends. <laughs> so I was saying to these guys earlier that to me, there's nothing hotter than a man with a vasectomy. <laughs> <laughs> but only if, you know, like if he doesn't want it to be reversed, obviously, like I'm, I'm not telling anyone to go get one unless, you know, they, but but you know we have to come up with more solutions here. Like there's also semen retention um, where you can actually separate ejaculation. Uh, you can separate ejaculation from orgasm, so you can still orgasm without ejaculation. Uh, I will list a couple different things in the show notes. Uh, Cam Fraser teaches on that, and um, I had Sophie Josefina on the podcast, and we talked about it a little bit. Not not how. But we did address that on that episode too. So I'll reference both of those in the show notes, uh, both those amazing humans so that you can go check both of them out. Um, yeah, is, is Sarah, anything else that you'd like to wrap up with? Yeah, I wanna say one more thing, <laughs> shocker. Uh, somebody just sent me this and, and it says that a CBS news poll found that 49% of men approve of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade and 51% disapprove of overturning it. It goes so much deeper than just our elected officials. This is why I think it's really important that we continue to have open conversations about this because there are a lot of individuals who have closed minds and also who do not want us to have our own basic rights as you know over our bodies, which is absolutely insane. And the last part of this was by comparison, 33% of women approve of it and 67% disapproves. That means there's 33% of women out there who do not believe that they should have a choice over their own body. And to me, that is the absolute saddest thing that I have ever read. So I just think it goes so much deeper than a lot of us even can pay attention to or can conceptualize in this present moment. So continue to have these conversations, continue to ask how you can be helpful. What can you do for these people? Maybe sometimes it's just listening or continuing to share your own experiences. So the stigma around this can change and ideally so we can continue to move forward in a different light. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, I really appreciate it. James, I, I appreciate both of you so much. James, it's like 1.30 in the morning where you are. I'm so grateful that you- We love God, you. It is. So important no, you. I love you guys. It's, um, I, I, I'm, I'm up, I'm awake now. You know, I don't think, I don't think you could sleep through a conversation like this or, or, you know, not be engaged. And no, it's been a, it's been a 
a real pleasure and a privilege to to sit here with you guys and um and talk about this stuff so thank you for having me please well thank you and thank you for being open and sharing your experience and like that's another thing that i've seen is like a lot of my male friends are upset about this but i have seen not a single one take a stance you know mm. like i'm fortunate enough to be dating someone who when this happened checked in on me immediately and i thought how lucky am i and then i thought of all the other men that i have dated that wouldn't have said a thing so the fact that you woke up you're here with us you have a beautiful stance and open heart and are just always the most compassionate human i think we're we're so lucky to have your input your your care and and everything like what an honor it is to know you Totally agree. Just an honor on for both of you. I feel so privileged to be able to call both of you friends. And mm -hmm. I just, I'm so grateful for both of you for not only coming on, but speaking about a really tough topic and sharing deeply, deeply personal stories. I'm really honored that you felt safe enough to do that here and, and on this podcast and with all of us. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for both of you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Um, Right. Thanks, guys. You. Love you. I'm off to love bed, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone. I really appreciate all of you. <laughs>Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. It means the absolute world to me, and I'm so grateful. For any references in the episode and all show notes, be sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com. And if this episode touched your heart, it would mean so much if you would take a quick second to hit subscribe, write a review, and share on social media over someone who really needs to hear today's message. It makes such a difference to keep this podcast going so I can continue to bring you amazing content and absolutely incredible guests. Be sure to tag me over on Instagram at Emily Goff Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday and Thursday with new episodes and I'm looking forward to growing with you.